So I wasn't here with you live last week, but I watched online, and I think Jason would say, Congregation, amen. Yeah, there we go. You've heard me say a lot that uh, becoming a Christian is one of the easiest things that you could possibly do in your life. It's literally as easy as accepting a Christmas present from God. One of the hardest things to do in life is to live as a Christian. Because living obedient to, obediently to God's will just somehow goes against the things that we think we want and deserve. And so, so often people say, well, what, what can I do to, to live better? What can I do to be more obedient? Well, we need to know God's word, but one of the things we can do is just simply do the thing that God, things that God tells us to do. One of those is to remember the Lord's death until he comes. Holy communion is all about that. It's not about being forgiven because we don't receive forgiveness because we take communion. Jesus said that we're to do this meal, we're to share communion together to remember the Lord's death until He comes. And when we do that, in that moment, we're being obedient. And so as we gather today, and if you're at home or wherever you are online, uh, get something for bread and something for juice, whatever that happens to be, so that you can join with us. And understand that, that our sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did for us, not because of what we do for God. And so on that night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples, including the one that would turn him over to the authorities that would end up ending his life in just a day. Jesus gathered with his disciples and he took bread, and when he had broken it and given thanks... He gave them to eat and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in the remembrance of me. And then again after supper, he took the cup and when he had blessed it and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant or the new promise in my blood shed for you and for many. Do this for the remembrance of me. When we celebrate Holy Communion, what we really do is remember what God did for us in Jesus that we cannot do for ourselves. What Jesus did for us out of obedience to God. Let's pray. God, thank you. We, we can't begin to say thank you for what we're about to be a part of because we don't understand it. We, we can't completely understand why someone would give their life for someone who had done them wrong, who had sinned, who was living in sin, and yet that's what Jesus did out of obedience to your command, God. Jesus died while we were still sinners. And so we do what he told us to do, and that's to remember his death until he comes again. We hear an awful lot of talk about end times and last days, and actually that's what we're going to read about in Timothy today. And we may be close to the day that Jesus returns, or we may not, but God, we want to make sure that we recognize and acknowledge and remember him. And so as we take this time and set it aside now, God, we thank you for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll invite communion servers to come forward. I neglected to mention this at first service. Uh, it's first Sunday of the month, which means it's a youth takeover. So we, a youth takeover. So we've got young people that are helping out all over the places today. And so if you're one of the young people who's given your time helping out this morning, thank you. For the rest of you, we do not tell you when to come forward. We invite you to come forward and everything is ready. And so if you want to take time and uh, have a conversation with God and just say, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I need a Savior and that Jesus died because of my sin. If you want to take the time to do that, you take the time and take care of your business with God. Uh, Whenever you're ready, come forward. Uh, We've got the first people you'll encounter here. They'll have uh, bread. You can take that bread. It's all gluten-free. And you either dip it in the clear liquid, which is grape juice, or the darker red, which is wine, whichever is appropriate for you. If you want to have the individual communion kits, those are on the outside of the aisle. 
Uh, come forward when you're ready. There will be someone in the center who would love to say a prayer and give a blessing to the young folks who are too young yet to take communion. Uh, while we share in communion, we're going to continue to worship in song. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are truth. Thank you, God, that despite the choices we make and the things that we say and do, you continue to love us. Thank you for this time where we are reminded in the midst of our lives that we make so busy and fill with so many other things. That your son Jesus was obedient to you, to your will. And he went to the cross and died for sins and crimes he never committed. And God, we're the ones who benefit from that. So God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his obedience to you. And God, we ask in your Holy Spirit that we would, that we would be able to live lives in some way that reflect who he is and what it is that he's done for us. What we could not do for ourselves. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So it's a little bit dark in here right now, and that's okay because it's kind of the theme for Christmas. But I, you know, when I, when I get the chance, Dater and I get the chance to go out of town, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is I need to find a guest speaker who can come up here and deliver God's Word because we've got this promise to you that we're always going to speak a biblical message. Well, last Sunday something very different happened. And I was about 2,000 miles away watching, and it was awesome because a son of our congregation, Jason, got up and he wasn't a guest speaker. Man, he was a preacher. Jason, where are you? I mean, it's... Where are you, Jason? All the way in the back. Jason, thank you. It is not easy to do that. I know. And you, you hit a, a God-sized home run with that one. Thank you. Thank you. So today, uh, it's a little bit different. Today's going to be a def- message of a little bit of a different sort. Um, I had two weeks to get away. I heard an incredibly inspiring message uh, last Sunday, by the way. If you haven't uh, heard, Jason, it's online. You can catch it. Uh, you should. It was amazing. I had two weeks to prepare for today, and uh, sometime yesterday, starting maybe late Friday night, God just said, just read it. Just read it. I'm thinking, i got all this stuff that I want to say, but no, God said, just read it. And I realized that it, my passion is, is bringing God's Word to you in such a way that it inspires you to go back and want to read more. And I don't tell you what you should believe. I don't, I don't tell you what you should think or how you should live. And, and it isn't my job to criticize or condemn or offend or anything else. My job is just to bring God's Word to you. And this week, I'm fairly certain God said, then just read my Word. And so part of what drives me, you need to understand this, is after nearly a quarter of a century now, my drive is, is really twofold. I, I absolutely, with all of my heart, believe that God is real and that Jesus is real. And the second thing is I, I believe that heaven and hell are real places. And who we put our faith in and how we live our life determines where our eternity will be spent. And God's Word is what He has given us to help us understand and make that decision in a good way. Today, Paul is writing to Timothy, and it's interesting because Paul is a Jewish man who met Jesus and whose life was radically transformed. And he meets this young man, Timothy. Timothy's mother was Jewish. Timothy's father was Greek. 
But Timothy was raised in the faith. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, how the faith was instilled in Timothy from a young age. Now, Paul is mentoring him, trying to help him understand how to pastor a church. Timothy, like many of you, was raised in the church. He'd seen good things. He'd seen bad things. He knew church people. And Paul today is going to write this letter. In this letter that he wrote to Timothy, he's going to help us understand what Paul or Timothy needs to be on the lookout for. See, Paul is going to tell him the kind of people who are actually going to be in the church. And, you know, you're, you're going to hear this this morning. You're going to go, yep, I, I've run into some of them. I've seen those people. I think what God wants us to really do today is to listen to this and not, not try to understand the people like that that you've seen. But who are we? Who are we in this passage that Paul is writing to Timothy? Sometimes as preachers, we think we've got to have all the right words. And I love researching and preparing sermons I still struggle with, with the preaching of them. So preachers think that they need to have something to say. So today, that's the end of the message. Now we're just going to read God's Word. I, I tell you to open yours, but it's a little bit dark for you to be able to follow. So I'm going to read it for you. And my hope is that you won't listen for ears for someone else. My hope is that we'll listen for ears for ourselves, Because Paul writes about two different kinds of people. And I think it's important that we understand honestly who we are. First, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. We hear a lot about last times uh, and end days, and is this, is this the wrap-up of everything we read in Scripture? It may be. I don't know. But as we listen to what follows, it seems like an awful lot of this rings true in our world and in, in churches today. In the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Other translations say laughing at God, making fun of God. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and they will have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. And they'll love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind that work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they're never able to understand the truth. These teachings, uh, these teachers oppose the truth, just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Jonas and Jambres. Verse 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. 
Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and they themselves will be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they're true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. I think what Paul is doing is saying, Timothy, the end times are near because those people are all around you. I think what he's saying to Timothy is it's decision time. We look at the world around us. We look at what we see as problems in the world and politics and the church. And we read a passage like the first part of chapter 3 and we say, it must be near the end because we see that all over the place. And so what that means, it's, it's decision time for all of us. And the decision is, who are you going to follow? What will you believe? Who will you be? A lot of people use God's Word to justify what they already believe. But Paul would encourage Timothy to teach people to trust in God's Word, to accept it as truth, and to use it to shape what you believe and how you live. As I read this passage today, I think God is really saying of those two groups of people, who will you be? So my question is very simple. Who will you be? I challenge you to go home when you've got better light, open Second Timothy, the third chapter, and read it through. Not because you want to take a look at what it says about other people, but what is it that it says about you? Some of us might find there's some compliments there, some encouragement. Others of us might find that Paul is speaking in not so pleasant and not so kind terms to. But it isn't too late. Who will you be? Who will you follow? How will you live? Let's pray. God, preachers are taught to speak. We're taught to talk, to have lots of words that explain what your word already tells us. So today, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would settle heavily into this room in a way that only you can do. That your word would do exactly what Paul intended it to do, exactly what you intended it to do. That it would show us who we are, who you are, who Jesus is, and who we can be who we're called to be. God, thank you for Paul. Thank you for the way that you worked in his life and used his incredible education and his standing and his position. And God, you, and, you encountered him so intentionally on that road that day. And he took all of those gifts, everything that he had been using for his purposes, and God, he began to use them for you. That's what we want to do too. We want to take all that you've created us to be and to use it for your glory. And your Holy Spirit, God, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, woo is right. So one of our kids, I, I think it might have been Austin, it could have been Kirsten, I'm not sure. One of them, when they were young, 
uh, we went to a new church and Deidre said, well, what did you think of the service? And our daughter said, eh, it's fine, but the pastor had too many words. Today, the pastor didn't have too many words. It was all God's word. My prayer as you go home is that you let God's word settle in you, that you become a student of God's word, that you know what that book says because God has that book on earth for you. We're going to celebrate a kids' Christmas program Saturday, the 9th at 2 p.m. right here. Uh, this place has been transformed. I guess there's a little bit more to be done. Uh, it looks amazing. If you had a part in that, thank you so much. Uh, fun to walk in and have our, our same old space look so different this morning. So thank you to all of you. Kids' program Saturday, 2 p.m. Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day, but Christmas Eve falls on Sunday morning. And so what we're on a Sunday rather. And so what we're going to do is have a 1030 service, a 130 service and a 330 service. And our hope is we're going back to when we first started as a church. We had no money to advertise. And so what we did is we printed cards. These things here, uh, we've got them at the door on the way out. And what we told people to do 14 years ago was take a card. And if you've got someone in your family, someone at school, someone you work with, someone you hang out with on the weekends that doesn't have a church home and you'd love to share Jesus with them, give them one of these cards and invite them to Christmas. We're going back to that. They'll be at the door. Take one, take ten, whatever you can give out. If you've got friends, family, people you work with that don't have a church home, Take one of those, hand it to them, and tell them you'd love to join them on Christmas Eve for, for worship. Uh, and then speaking of Christmas Eve. preview of what's coming. I said this a while ago, everybody, all of us, everyone is a leader. You maybe don't think of yourself as a leader, but here's the thing. If there is someone that looks to you for advice, if there's someone that asks your opinion, if there's someone that says, hey, what would you do with this situation? And you give them a response, you're leading. You're leading them down some road. You're leading them down some belief pattern. You're leading them to some place. All of us are leaders. You might not feel like it, but we are. Are you leading people to the things of the world? Or are you leading people to Jesus? Part of the way that we can be sure that we're leading people to Jesus is to be students of God's Word. This morning, I'm absolutely convinced all God wanted us to do was to hear His Word. Hear that part of Paul's letter to Timothy for us. As you leave this week, be a student of God's Word. See what God has to say for you in the Bible. Just take a couple of minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, open it up. Even if you've never done it before, you'll be amazed at what you find there. we got one more song before you go. Thank you for coming, folks. Have a great week. We hope you see you again next Sunday.